Section 6 of The Visits of Elizabeth This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Andrew Wetmore Cottage14.blogspot.com The Visits of Elizabeth by Eleanor Glynn Yacht Sotorelle Yacht Sotorel, 17th August. Dearest Mamma, I'm writing as we float down the Seine. It is too enchanting. We're a party of ten. The Comte and Comtesse de Tournelle, her mother, the Baronne de Larnac, and her uncle, the Baron de Fremont, Jean, Eloise, and me. The Marquise de Vermandoise and two young men, officers in the cavalry stationed at Versailles. One is the Vicomte Gaston de la Tremors and the other's name is so long that I can't get it, so you must know him by Antoine. He's some sort of relation of Eloise's. The Baron is a delightful person, the remains of extreme good looks and distinction. She was a beauty under the empire, and her feet are so small. She is just as soigné as if she was young, and so vain and human. She lives with her daughter while they're in the country. It seems the custom here, these huge family parties living together all the summer. The young people have their appartement in the Champs-Élysées in Paris, and the old ones go to the family hotel in the Faubourg Saint-Germain. We did say a lot of polite things when we went to pay our visit yesterday, and although they know one another so well, as it was a visit of ceremony to introduce me, we all had our best clothes on and sat in the large salon. There are four Louis XVI armchairs sticking out each side of the fireplaces in all the salons here. Eloise and the Comtesse de Tournelle are great friends. The Comte de Tournelle is charming. He's like the people in the last century memoirs. He ought to have powdered hair, and his manners have the distinction and wit quite unlike anything in England. One can see he's descended from people who had their heads cut off for being aristocrats. Jean says he does not belong to le sporting, and is fearfully effeminate. He can't even put on his own socks without his valet, and he never rides or bicycles or anything, but just does a little motor-carring and fights a few duels. The Comtesse de Tournelle is small and young and rather dull. She reads a good deal. The old boy, the Baron de Fremont, he owns the Sauterelle, is a jolly old soul and chaffs his sister and niece and everyone all the time and thinks it's so funny to talk fearful English. The two young men haven't looked at me much. They're in uniform, and they put their heels together and bowed deeply when they were introduced, but we haven't spoken yet. The Marquise de Vermandoise is perfectly lovely, so fascinating, with such a queer deep voice, and one tooth at the side of the front missing, and her tongue keeps getting in there when she speaks, which gives her a kind of lisp, and it's awfully attractive. I think de Tournelle would like to kiss her by the way he looked at her when she thanked him for handing her on board. It's a steam yacht with a wee cabin and a deck above that, with seats looking out each side like old omnibuses, and in the stern, if that means the back part, are the sailors and the engines and the oddest arrangement of cooking apparatus. You could just taste the exquisite breakfasts that Hippolyte, the Baron de Larnac's maître d'hôtel, cooked for us this morning after we started. He's the queerest creature with a face like a baboon and side whiskers and the rest a deep blue from shaving. The Baronne says she could not live without him, 
he's a splendid cook and a perfect fond de chambre and ready for anything he's much more familiar than we should ever let a servant be in england it was rough all the morning quite waves the seine is only half a mile from the chateau de croix and runs past the trenelles garden so they have a private landing stage and we all embarked from there jean and the comte are dressed in beautiful english blue serge and look neat enough to be under a glass case the old baron does not care what he wears and this morning while he was working with the sailors had on a black sunday coat the baron kept screaming when the boat rocked a little nous ferons naufrage mon dieu mon dieu and the vicomte tried to comfort her but she did not stop till hippolyte popped his head out of the cabin and said pas de danger et il ne faut pas que madame la baronne fasse la babette at dejeuner we had only one plate each and one knife and fork it was so windy we could not have it under the awning in the bows and the cabin is so narrow that the seats are against the wall and the table in the middle no one can pass to wait so between the courses we washed our plates in the seine out the window <laughs> it was gay they're all so witty but it's not considered correct to talk just to one's neighbour a conversation a deux everything must be in general so it is a continual sharpening of wits and one has to shout a good deal as otherwise with everyone talking at once one would not be heard i know french pretty well as you know but they say a lot of strange things i can't understand and whenever i answer or ask why they go into fits of laughter and say est-elle gentil l'enfant we are going to stop at the next small village to post the letters so good-bye dear mamma your affectionate daughter elizabeth oh p s i hope you won't get muddled mamma with all their names it takes so long writing the whole thing so please remember madame de larnac is the baronne monsieur de fremont is the baron monsieur de tournelle is the comte madame de tournelle is the comtesse madame de vermandoise is the marquise monsieur de la tremore is the vicomte and antoine is uh, the other officer so if i haven't always time to put their names you will know now which they are vernon yacht sauterelle thursday morning dearest mamma the scenery we came through yesterday is quite beautiful but i did not pay so much attention to it as i might have done because jean and the comte would talk to me you'd be amused at vernon where we stayed the night in such an inn I believe it is the only one in the place and as old as the hills you get at the bedrooms from an open gallery that runs round the courtyard and that smells of garlic and stables we got here about six and started en masse to inspect the rooms hippolyte had engaged them beforehand and seemed rather apologetic about them and finally when there did not appear half enough to go round he shrugged his shoulders almost to his ears and said eh, que voulez-vous and that ces messieurs would have to be très bourgeois en voyage and that there was nothing for it but that madame la comtesse de tournelle should partager l'appartement de monsieur le comte de tournelle and that monsieur le comte de croixmar would have to extend like hospitality to madame la comtesse de croixmar this caused shrieks of derision eloise said she would prefer to sleep on the dining-room table and um, antoine said he thought people ought to be a little more careful of their reputations even en voyage finally they unearthed a baby's cot in the room that hippolyte had designed for the croixmar menage and de tournelle said it was the very thing for me but jean replied mon cher ami c'est un bébé beaucoup trop émoustillant which i thought very rude just as if i snored or something dreadful like that 
then after a further prowl a fearful little hole was discovered beyond with no curtains to the windows or blinds or shutters just a scrap of net the face of agnes when she saw it dinner was not until seven so jean and i went out for a walk as hippolyte advised us to try to find a chemist and buy some flea powder je trouverai ça plus prudent he said jean is getting quite natural with me now and isn't so awfully polite the chemist took us for a honeymoon couple as of course if i had been french i could not have gone for a walk with jean alone he uh, the chemist was so sympathetic he had only one packet of powder left he said as so much was required by the voyageurs and inhabitants that he was out of it that did not sound a pleasant prospect for our night mais madame uh, that's me n'est pas assez grasse pour les attirer he added by way of consolation it was spitting with rain when we got back and they all made such a fuss for fear i had got wet and they would not for worlds stir out of doors to see the church or anything which i heard is very picturesque we had such an amusing dinner the food was wonderful considering the place but a horrible cloth and pewter forks and spoons there were two officiers at another table only infantry and they were so interested in our party antoine sat next to me and in a pause in the general conversation he said to me it's the first time he had addressed me directly il fait mauvais temps mademoiselle i've heard him saying all kinds of droll things to the others so it shows he can be quite intelligent it's just because i am not married i suppose so i said that is what english people always spoke about the weather and i wanted to hear something different in france he seemed perfectly shocked and hardly spoke to me after that but the vicomte who was listening began at once to say flattering things across the table they all make compliments upon my French and are very gay and kind, but I wish they did not eat so badly. The Comte and the Marquise, who are cousins, and of the very oldest noblesse, are the worst. One daren't look sometimes. The Comtesse is a little better, but then her family is only empire, and Jean and Eloise are fairly decent. I could bear most of it if it wasn't for the peppermint glasses at the end, which the men have. The whole party are very French, not a bit like the people we see at Caen, who have been much with the English. It's a different thing altogether. When dinner was over, the rain had stopped, and after a lot of talk as to whether the ground would be too damp or not, we at last ventured for a walk down to the bridge and back. Then we returned and commenced a general powdering of the beds, beginning with the de Tournelle's apartment. Next we went to the Marquise's. She had such an exquisite nightgown laid out. It was made of pink chiffon. When we got to my room, they made all kinds of sympathies for me having such a small and stuffy place. The powder was all gone before we could sprinkle the baron's bed. Agnès was not quite so uppish undressing me as usual. Perhaps she realized this part of her France was not so good as England. Next morning, when I got down, we had arranged to have our premier déjeuner all together, not in our rooms, as we were to make such an early start. Antoine and Héloise were already there. The vicomte and the baron came in soon after. He at once began... Come, mademoiselle est ravissante le soir, un petit ange à son déshabillé, une si éblouissante chevelure. The wretch had been watching me from the opposite gallery, wasn't it odious of a mamma? No Englishman would have done such a thing. I was angry, but Eloise said it was no use, that I must get accustomed to les habitudes de voyage, and that she did not suppose he had really looked. It was only to tease me, but I believe he had. Anyway, from that moment, de la Tremor has been always talking to me. Presently, while we were eating our rolls, the garçon, a Parisian, who was also the ostler, 
came in and said would madame, indicating the baronne, come up to mademoiselle who wished to speak to her. We could not think who he could mean, as I was the only mademoiselle of the party. The baronne told him so. Mais non, he said, jerking his thumb in the direction of upstairs. La demoiselle dans la chambre de monsieur. Mais que dites-vous, mon brave homme? screamed the baronne and Eloise together. The man was quite annoyed. Je dis ce que je dis, je m'en fiche pas mal. La petite demoiselle blonde dans la chambre de monsieur de la comte de Tournelle. At that moment the comtesse came in, so with another jerk of his thumb at her, comment? Vous ne me croyez pas? He said, tiens, la voilà, and he bounced out of the room. Antoine said it served them perfectly right, that he had warned them their reputations would suffer if husbands and wives camped together. Even a place like Vernon, he said, was sufficiently enlightened to find the situation impossible. I don't know what it all meant, but the Comtesse de Tournelle is now called La Demoiselle. The two young men leave us for the day to do their duty at Versailles, but are to meet us again at Rouen in the evening with leave for a few days. We are just going on board, so I will finish this presently. 5 p.m. The scenery is too beautiful after you pass Vernon, and it was so interesting getting in and out of the locks. The Baronne and I and Jean talked together on the raised deck, while de Tournelle read to the Marquise in the bows. The old Baron is mostly with the sailors, and Eloise slept a good deal. Every now and then Hippolyte came out from his cooking place, and one saw his baboon face appearing on a level with the deck floor, and he would explain all the places we passed, and it always ended with, Il ne faut pas que Madame la Baronne pionce, c'est très, très intéressant. I can't tell you what the droll creature is. Eloise woke up presently and talked to me. She said if it was not for the Tournelle, she could not stand the Chateau de Croixmare and Victorine. It appears, too, that when in Paris, Godmamma always drives in the bois at the wrong times, and will have her opera box on the nights when no one is there, and that irritates Eloise. I can't think why Papa and she were such friends. I don't believe if he had been alive now, and accustomed to really nice people like you and me, he would have been able to put up with her. I shall post this directly we land. I'm writing on the cabin table, and now goodbye, your affectionate daughter, Elizabeth. End of section 6